Buckle up, you are about to enter the Draws Cast podcast. Your host, author, and motivational speaker, Jeff Drozowski, will transport you through the world of motivation and leadership, always keeping an eye on having some fun, too. Sometimes with a guest, other times just Jeff. Either way, you will leave better equipped to succeed than when you came in. Here he is, the Draws, Jeff Drozowski. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. This is a leadership podcaster, leadership blogger, leadership trainer, leadership coach, and leadership author, Jeff Drozdowski. And welcome back to the Drozcast podcast. Folks, before we get into the last podcast for 2019, I do want to tell you about some changes that are going to be coming down the road. And that is the Drozcast podcast is going to be coming more guest-driven. We are going to be bringing on People from the world of leadership from many different realms. That includes business, that includes sports, that includes retail, uh, that could include uh, the restaurant business. It can include leadership from many, many different realms. And I'm very excited to be turning the page on uh, this format of the podcast, which was primarily uh, one person driven, and that was me talking about different subjects. And I wanted to open it up to uh, different viewpoints, different uh, thoughts uh, of mind, and uh, just many different ways that people can think about leadership. And I can say that I have uh, done two interviews to date that will be, uh, or that I will be downloading here in the uh, not too distant future. And uh, I really think you're going to like the format. So uh, just a uh, to briefly touch on something before we get into today's uh, final, I'll call it me episode, where it's just one voice, me talking, uh, I do want to tell you uh, to continue to go back to drawstalks.com. I am a professional speaker uh, that speaks on leadership from many different angles, and I also have authored two books. Um, the most recent, Leadership, One Golden Nugget at a Time, which is a quote and illustration book on many different quotes from incredible leaders over history and the things that they do to continue to be successful or were successful back in their day. Today, I want to talk about my most recent visit to Bristol, Connecticut. Most of you probably think when I say Bristol, Connecticut, which is really kind of rural, it's a small-ish town of about 60,000 people, you say to yourself, whoopee, what is Bristol, Connecticut all about? Well, like I mentioned, it is a town of about 60,000 people, but it feels much smaller than that. The biggest industry in Bristol, Connecticut is sports. And when I mean sports, I mean Bristol is the headquarters for what is called the Worldwide Leader in Sports, or ESPN, or ESPN standing for Entertainment and Sports Programming Network. The expansiveness of the campus is quite impressive, especially given the size of the town. Incredibly, most of the talk shows and news shows that initiate out of the ESPN family of networks are housed in these buildings. If you are a sports fan, you've recognized the names Scott Van Pelt, Dan Patrick, Rich Eisen, Mike Tirico, Chris Berman, 
and there are dozens and dozens of others that have broadcasted out of Bristol or continue to broadcast out of Bristol. I venture to say that per capita, there have been more celebrity interactions in the small town of Bristol during the ESPN era than any other city in the country. The success of the company began with founder Larry Rasmussen in the early 1980s. Now, Larry was the founder, but it was the leadership that was created later on in ESPN that really catapulted it to worldwide prominence. So my visit to Bristol got me thinking about what type of leadership style was really successful at the network. After all, when we think of broadcasting and sports celebrities, we think ego and managing that ego. The most successful leader to date at the network was a gentleman by the name of George Bodenheimer. Forward is his story and leadership philosophy. When George retired as executive chairman at ESPN in May of 2014, he wrapped up a remarkable 33-year career, which began in the company's mailroom in 1981. So he started from the very bottom and worked his way up to the top. Consistent and substantive growth defined George's career, leading to unprecedented success at the network. His leadership style was simple but effective, empower all employees to take charge of their careers and to base decisions on the company's stated mission, which was serve sports fans anytime, anywhere. Folks, that mission statement is that simple. Serve sports fans anytime, anywhere. George was an ESPN and cable industry pioneer, and as the company's longest tenured president, which was 13 years, he led an unprecedented period of global growth. He oversaw all multimedia sports assets of the Walt Disney uh, Corporation, including ABC Sports from 2003 to 2011, and was co-chair of Disney Media Networks from 2004 until 2011. His father managed a department store and his mother was a bank teller. He calls his parents his heroes and credits their inspiration in his success. He earned a degree in economics at Denison University. After graduating, he wanted to work in sports and entertainment. He sent letters to companies like Madison Square Garden and every Major League Baseball team in the United States. I got 28 letters back saying, I don't think so, George remembers. The advice of a family friend led to an interview at a fledgling cable TV network called Entertainment and Sports Programming Network, or as we know now, ESPN. George recalls an intimidating human resources director sizing him up. I was standing and he was sitting, and I don't think he looked up at me once, George recalls. He said I was qualified to be a driver. Kind of a big blow to his ego, I'm sure. So George began delivering the mail and working in the mailroom. He also served as a driver for on-air personalities. In his memoirs, George specifically talks about driving often for basketball announcing icon Dick Vitale and many, many others during his tenure as driver. If you're not familiar with the name Dick Vitale, perhaps you remember his nickname, Dickie V. He still broadcasts today, all these years later. 
It was a perfect beginning for the enthusiastic youngster. George remembers, I got to meet everybody. As ESPN expanded, George applied for an open sales and marketing position and hit the road, selling the network to local cable operators across five states. I learned that every town in America considers itself a sports town, and every city in the world thinks the same way. ESPN was tapping into that, George was quoted as saying. Working his way through the ranks, he became Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing in 1996 before being named the network's fifth president in 1998. He held this role until 2012 when he stepped down from day-to-day operations. While president, his vision led to company and industry-leading innovations in integrated sales and marketing, original programming, acquisitions, and new technologies. At the same time, he solidified and enhanced ESPN's position as the worldwide leader in sports. George's tenure at ESPN saw an explosion in cable sports broadcasting as the ESPN family of networks grew from a single channel to multiple domestic networks and dozens of international networks, as well as hundreds of radio affiliates and a massive online and publishing presence. He also oversaw major investments in new broadcasting technologies. George elevated the company's numerous corporate outreach initiatives, most notably the V Foundation for Cancer Research, which was founded by ESPN and the late basketball coach and commentator Jim Valvano. The V Foundation has raised more than $150 million since 1993, and 100% of cash donations go directly to research. He also championed an impressive increase in ESPN employee volunteerism during his tenure as president highlighted by more than 30,000 hours of service given as part of the company's 30th anniversary efforts. Even in retirement, he continues to serve on the boards of several corporations, Denison University and the V Foundation. It's a very competitive business we're in, but our culture at ESPN is something we can control. I think of it as always operate with integrity, respect for your coworkers, and passion about what we're doing. That is a quote from George. Now, that would be a great story about the network in and of itself, but as I researched ESPN, I dug deeper and deeper and found two other items of interest that are profound in professional development. One is philosophy of career development at ESPN, and the other is the leadership philosophy of one of the most popular of on-air personalities at the network. So first, professional development. When we think of networks, we really only think of the people we see in front of the camera. But in order to make those dozens and dozens of people look good in front of the camera, there are hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, behind the camera that do things to run the networks that we never see. They are employees like any other company, and those folks need career development. Those departments include places like human resources, advertising, marketing, and legal. ESPN subscribes to the 70-20-10 career development philosophy for their employees. So what is 70-20-10? Good question. I had not heard of it myself until I started doing the research. You may have heard of it in different forms, but in this form it's called 70-20-10. The 70-20-10 model of learning and development is a commonly used formula within the training profession to describe the optimal sources of learning by successful managers. 
It holds that individuals obtain 70% of their knowledge from job-related experiences, 20% from interactions with others, and 10% from formal education events. The model was created in the 1980s by three researchers and authors working with the Center for Creative Leadership, a nonprofit educational institution in Greensboro, North Carolina. The three people, Morgan McCall, Michael Lombardo, and Robert Eichinger, were researching the key development experiences of successful managers. The 70-20-10 model is considered to be of great value as a general guideline for organizations seeking to maximize the effectiveness of their learning and development programs through other activities and inputs. The model continues to be widely employed by organizations throughout the world. The model's creators hold that the hands-on experience, or the 70%, is the most beneficial for employees because it enables them to discover and refine their job-related skills, make decisions, address challenges, and interact with influential people such as bosses and mentors while at work settings. They also learn from their mistakes and receive immediate feedback on their performance. Employees learn from others about 20% of the time, hence the number 20, through a variety of activities including social learning, coaching, mentoring, collaborative learning, and other methods of interaction with peers. Encouragement and feedback are prime benefits of this valuable learning approach. The formula holds that only 10% of professional development optimally comes from formal traditional courseware instruction and other educational events, a position that typically surprises people from academic backgrounds. There have been some updated data that may suggest some fluctuation in this model, but not enough to change the model at this point. So that is the 70-20-10 model of career development. The last item about ESPN I want to talk about is one of their most influential on-air personalities, a gentleman by the name of John Saunders. John exemplified tremendous leadership during his 30 years of broadcasting. More specifically, he was an exceptional servant leader. And for those of you who have listened before, you know that I subscribe heavily to the servant leader model of leadership. And I also think that it gets misunderstood uh, that it is not a productive style of leadership, but that is farthest from the truth. So back to John. If the concept is new to you, research over the last 40 years has found that the best servant leaders who are no strangers to driving results require excellence and generating profitable outcomes led first by serving the needs of others. John surprisingly passed in August of 2016. Based on reaction, it was quite evident that John was well-respected and had a servant leadership style. First, some of the people that knew him best talked about his character. Bob Lee, another iconic figure at ESPN and a colleague of Saunders for three decades, says that he was a generous man of character and very proud of his family and African-Canadian heritage. John filled our lives with his considerable talent, but most important, the size and strength of his character and persona, Mr. Lee said of John. Character is what every company with a strong mission should aspire to have in their leaders, but so few actually commit to that as a top priority. The rewards are many, 
A leader that operates from character gains the trust of other people. Others see him as dependable and accountable for his actions. And as trust develops and people feel safe in that leader's presence, he or she gains influence. Another great trait of John Saunders was his influence. Saunders ESPN boss John Skipper said in a statement, he was one of the most significant and influential members of the ESPN family as a colleague and mentor. Influence is really a two-headed monster. On one side of the equation, influential leaders must show up and be strong and competent, but they must balance that with their other side, which is being courageous, showing their humanity more than anything. Specifically, things like warmth and compassion, and surprisingly enough, science has given the edge to the softer side of influence. Many studies indicate projecting warmth is really the key to having influence. Research shows that leaders who are rated low on the likability scale have about a 1 in 2,000 chance of becoming regarded as an effective leader. Only after they've achieved likability should they focus on displaying competence. John Saunders had the gift of drawing people to him because of his magnetic warmth, and his younger colleagues responded. Jesse Palmer, who worked with Saunders as an ESPN college football analyst and has since become a Food Network personality, says this of John. People that were lucky enough to work with John Saunders understand his infectious personality. John could light a room up, that warm smile. You just wanted to trust John Saunders. He was very inviting, generous, and gracious. John made me so much better at my job, and I'm very appreciative of that. But I'm even more thankful that John made me like my job even more. And as I mentioned this earlier of servant leaders, competence is huge. And competence was something that John Saunders was. So the other side of influence is competence, but being competent doesn't mean that a leader knows how to do everything, but rather that he knows what to do, when to do it, who's involved, and how to get it done. John Saunders was a prolific craftsman of the broadcasting trade, and he showed great competence. ESPN colleague Rachel Nichols, one of the country's most prominent female sports journalists, said that Saunders showed skilled versatility, anchoring shows, doing play-by-play in various sports, and making it all look so easy. Lee also called him an incredibly skilled broadcaster. Again, John Skipper says of John, Mr. Saunders was an extraordinary talent, and his friendly, informative style has been a warm welcome to sports fans for decades. His wide range of accomplishments across numerous sports and championship events is among the most impressive this industry has ever seen. John Saunders was also an incredible mentor. Stephen A. Smith, a provocative on-air talent, said Saunders was a pioneer and paved the way for other African Americans. The late Stuart Scott may not have had the ESPN broadcasting career if he did not know Saunders, said Smith. Stephen A. Smith goes on to say, and that's when it hit me. What stands out in Smith's eulogy was a defining leadership trait of Saunders that is so effective in capturing the hearts and minds of followers in today's workplaces. Smith also lauded Saunders as being a mentor and advisor. Jamel Hill, 
a young co-host for the ESPN show His and Hers with Michael Smith, said that Saunders had a tremendous impact on the careers of many because he invested interest in them. Folks, that is the story of John Saunders, servant leader. I really enjoyed the research into this part of leadership, and I hope you did too. Again, as we move into 2020, the format for the Drivecast will change with more guests, young and old, from a wide range of business, sports, retail, and restaurant backgrounds. First off in 2020 will be a popular and successful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania business owner, Maureen Rukin. Your support of the Drawscast is much appreciated. Tell your friends the Drawscast podcast is your place for motivation and leadership. And don't forget my YouTube channel either, Jeff Drozdowski. Thanks and bye for now. Kyla, take it away. Thank you for being part of the Drawscast. Check out Jeff's website, drawstalks.com, to find out more about booking Jeff for your next event. Also at drawstalks.com, you can purchase Jeff's book, Inspired, How Our Differences Are Changing the Workplace or inquire about Jeff's training programs and personal or executive coaching. All of Jeff's video blogs can be seen on his YouTube channel, Jeff Drozowski. Thank you and bye for now.